Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we are most thankful today for the gift of Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected. For in him you made the one who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Lord, it was a debt that we could not pay. So, Lord, you paid it for us. And you did not pay it in part. No, you paid it all. You paid it in full. You covered our complete debt of sin before you, that we might be called your own, your children, brought into the family of God by your grace alone, through Jesus Christ alone. And so, Lord, in that confidence, we come now to your word, and we pray in the presence of your Holy Spirit that by your word you would speak to our hearts, that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds so that when this experience comes to an end, we would be more like Jesus and that the world would be better because of it. Lord, we love you. We trust you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We are continuing in our Decided series, talking about those who decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And what that meant in their lives. The woman that we're going to talk about today, we don't know much about her at all, really. We don't even know her name. In fact, the only way that we know her is by her struggle. Isn't that interesting? The only way that we know this woman, as her story is told in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, is by her greatest struggle in life. I want to invite you to open your Bible with me to Mark chapter 5. If you're in the room, the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 840. We're going to look at Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34 today. But we're going to meet a woman who is known simply as the woman with the issue of blood. Now let me set the context for this story because her story is incidental to another story. This is, this is an interruption of another miracle story with Jesus. Jairus, one of the rulers of the synagogue, had come to Jesus. His little daughter was sick. She was 12, and she was at the point of death. And so Jairus was desperate. And so Jairus came to Jesus, and he said, My little daughter is sick. Can you help? And so Jesus was going with Jairus to go visit his daughter, to go bring healing and what would eventually be, by the time he gets there, a a miracle of resurrection. He's going to raise this little girl from the dead. But as he's on his way to Jairus' house to do this great work of miraculous healing and even raising from the dead, a woman is going to interrupt him. How many of you are glad to know we serve a Savior who will not only bear with our interruptions, but who will address our needs even as we come to him. So we're going to see the context of this story as Jesus is on his way to do important ministry, but there's a woman who's desperate, and she reaches out to Jesus. She's a woman who is acquainted with grief. She's familiar with suffering, and her suffering has gone on for a long time with no resolution. Today we're going to meet the woman 
with the issue of blood. And I'll be honest with you, in my mind, she, she kind of represents all of us who understand what it is to struggle, who understand what it is to suffer, who understand what it is to pray without an apparent answer to our prayer, who understand what it is to wait upon the Lord and it seems like he'll never show up, who understand what it is to suffer in silence because, well, our problems are not things we really want to talk about out loud to people. So I think this woman, in so many ways, as a real human being who had a real story that is absolutely true as told in the Bible, also represents everyone who's ever reached the point of their wit's end, come to a moment of desperation in need of God's intervention, willing, willing at this point to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. I think this woman represents a lot of us who have dealt with difficulty in a sin-fallen world. So let's read her story. Look with me to Mark chapter 5. We are going to start um, about halfway through verse 24. John Mark writes these things as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this, And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Our first point today is this. Incidentally, I didn't give you the theme for the message, but it's the same every week. The woman with the issue of blood decided to follow Jesus, and her life was transformed. The woman with the issue of blood decided to follow Jesus, and her life was transformed. And so now our first point today, the woman with the issue of blood followed Jesus to a new hope. She followed Jesus to a new hope. Now I want you to get this picture. Jesus is moving about. He's going to do important work, and the crowds are, the Bible says, thronging around him. Everybody wants a piece of Jesus. Everybody needs something from Jesus. They are coming to him. This is a visual representation of what our prayer requests must look like. Can you imagine being God and receiving our prayers? They've got to come out of him from every direction, and yet God is God and able to handle all of those things and able to know each of our situations with perfect clarity and absolute wisdom to know what to do and when to do it. The people are thronging around Jesus, and in this anonymous crowd is a woman who's been struggling for 12 years years. Think about that. The little girl Jesus is going to heal is 12 years old. This woman has been suffering with this for the entire length of this little girl's life. And you may say, well, 12 years isn't that long. It goes by quickly. And true, looking back, 12 years does pass quickly the older you get. But when you're in the middle of it, and when every single morning is another morning on which you have to wake up to a re reality that you are begging God to change, and it hasn't changed. 
12 years doesn't go by that quick, does it? We're talking about a woman, the Bible says, who had gone to all the physicians she could find, and she had exhausted all of her financial resources. The Bible says she had spent everything she had on physicians. Don't you enjoy medical bills? How many of you love it when a medical bill crops up? You've got your budget, you're planning, you're trying to get ahead, you're going, to, you're going to finally get to the point where the ends are going to meet and everything's going to be right, and then all of a sudden you have this remarkable, unexpected cost. And it's always really cheap, right? Medical expenses are really inexpensive. No, of course not. And now you're fighting with an insurance company with somebody, you know, who did not go to medical school who is deciding what your course of treatment might need to be because, well, they're looking at an actuarial table and they're looking at what their bosses are telling them and they're deciding what scan you need, what treatment you need, what drug you need, and how much of it they'll cover. You're dealing with the billing and collections agency who continues to call you because, you know, they do need money to cover that surgery that you had to have. And it takes time to pay it off because it's usually a lot of money and you're overwhelmed when you get the first bill because it's hundreds of thousands of dollars and thankfully you do have insurance even though they're not covering as much as you think they should cover. And yet the healthcare provider continues to send the bill month after month because you've got to pay that thing because, well, it costs money. And you weren't expecting that. Isn't that fun? If you haven't experienced that yet, just wait. <laughs> it's coming. This woman, I'm sure, did not intend to have to spend more than a decade of her life trying to fix a problem that cropped up out of nowhere. This woman, I'm sure, had not budgeted to spend all that she had on medical expenses. She had plans. How do you know that, Jeff? Well, because she was a human being. And that's what we do. We have plans for our lives. We look out upon the horizon of time that has yet to come, and we think, this is what this is going to look like. And this woman woke up one day hemorrhaging. And she thought, what is this? And then she woke up the next day hemorrhaging. And the next day, hemorrhaging and the next day hemorrhaging and no doubt she went to bed every night thinking praying hoping that maybe joy will come in the morning and this will come to an end and every morning morning after morning she woke up to the same reality 12 years goes quick in retrospect hindsight but it doesn't go quickly when you're going through it. And that's what she was doing. Many of you, in fact, I would say most of you in this room have some sense of what she was enduring, not the physical portion necessarily, but the emotional part of it, the mental part of it, the anguish that she was feeling, the, the hopes that were crushed every single day as the problem just kept coming. She heard about Jesus. 
And I would say that for the first time in maybe a long time, there was a glimmer of hope that arose within her. Maybe, just maybe. Maybe this guy who is giving sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, the ability to speak to the mute, maybe, just maybe, this guy can do something for me too. She was desperate. And she followed Jesus to a new hope. So in this anonymous crowd that was thronging around the Savior, she reaches out and she touches him. If I touch even his garments, she said, I will be made well. Look at verse 29. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Our second point today is this. The woman with the issue of blood followed Jesus to a new lifestyle. Followed Jesus to a new lifestyle. Now let me explain this a little bit. She reaches out and she touches the hem of his garment. And there's a whole lesson there that has to do with the four corners of a garment and tassels and the seat seat and, and the healing in the wings of the Messiah. That's, that's a whole lesson that's a part of this. I'll, I'll get to that at some point, but not today. She reaches out and she touches the hem of his garment. And Mark uses his word that he likes to use over and over in his gospel immediately. Immediately. How long did this course of treatment take? It was immediate. It was instant. What she had endured in 12 years, for 12 years, was over the moment she touched the hem of his garment. It ended quickly. She could tell within herself she was healed. She hadn't felt the way she felt immediately in over a decade, but now she felt it again. It worked. Her desperate, hopeful touch worked. And she was healed. But it wasn't just that she was healed. It was that she could now emerge into life again because you've got to understand that her situation uniquely presented some challenges to her interpersonal interactions with other human beings over the course of this last 12 years. You realize the first century is different right? Medical technology is different, right? They don't, they don't have a drugstore on every corner. The way you deal with things is different in these days. And God in his wisdom had given his people very specific regulations about being clean and unclean and, and when you needed to separate yourself from people and, and when you needed to, to not come into contact with people. Otherwise, you would make them unclean. And in fact, I'll read it to you. From Numbers chapter, I'm sorry, Leviticus chapter 15, verses 25 through 28. Listen to this. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, all the days of the discharge she shall continue in uncleanness. As in the days of her impurity, she shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies, all the days of her discharge shall be to her as the bed of her impurity. 
and everything on which she sits shall be unclean, as in the uncleanness of her menstrual impurity. And whoever touches these things shall be unclean, and shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. But if she is cleansed of all her discharge, she shall count for herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean. So what does this tell us? That not only over the course of the past 12 years has this woman suffered with a physical problem, an emotional problem, a mental struggle, but those problems have been exacerbated by the fact that she has had to keep herself separated from people. She hasn't been able to worship as she would like because she was ceremonially unclean. She couldn't go into the area around the temple where the women could go for 12 years. But not only that, beyond that, she had to deal with the fact that everything she sat on and laid down on became unclean as well. And anybody who touched that upon which she sat or laid down also became unclean. And anybody who touched her also became unclean. And anybody that she touched also became unclean. And so do you know what that means? People stayed away from her. And she stayed away from people. And so not only is she dealing with a physical struggle, but she is also dealing with a ceremonial, religious struggle and a relational struggle. I mean, this woman's desperate. Desperate. And so what she does, honestly, wasn't just kind of inconsiderate in that she reached out and touched somebody. You know, and, and this is free today. Just don't do that. If you're, if you're near a celebrity, don't just reach out and touch them. That's not cool. Don't do that. But in her case, reaching out to touch Jesus would technically render him ceremonially unclean as well. And he's got work to do. I mean, he's going to visit a little girl who's, who's about to die, who's, who's going to be dead. Now, that had implications of its own, but... Nevertheless, she reaches out in her desperation and she touches him. Now, here's the good news. The purity of Jesus was too much. He was so pure, he could not have been rendered unclean, just as when he touched the leper in Mark chapter 1. But she crosses a lot of boundaries because she's desperate. And immediately, immediately, it works. And what opens before her on a horizon that had been so defiled by her struggle was hope for a new day and a life in which she doesn't have to keep to herself all the time, where she can give hugs again, where she can feel the warmth of embrace again, where she can be close again, where she can enjoy relationship again all because she touched Jesus well again if you're looking at this situation not from her perspective but from the perspective of really pretty much anybody who's not her who doesn't know everything that's going on you're thinking hey don't just be reaching out touching people well she has to answer for that so watch what happens look at verse 30 and Jesus 
perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see that the crowd is pressing in around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Third point. The woman with the issue of blood followed Jesus to a new revelation. She followed Jesus to a new revelation. Her joy turned to fear in an instant. Just as quickly as she had been healed from her 12 years of struggle, she realized what she had done. Have you ever done something and then come to your senses pretty quickly and realize, oh no, <laughs> what, what did I just do? Jesus turns around. Now, does Jesus know who touched him? Yes. Does Jesus know what's happening? Yes. Did Jesus know this was coming before he took off to go to Jairus' house? Yes. Jesus knows all things. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He, he's, he's aware. But just like God Almighty walking through the garden in the cool of the day saying, Adam, where art thou? When God knew exactly where Adam was. Jesus said, who touched me? His disciples. I love his disciples. Jesus is here and they're here all the time. Lord, look around. I mean, good night. Everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who touched me? Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. And so he looks around, and this woman has a decision to make really quickly. Do I take off and run, or do I confess everything to the man who just changed my life, even though I kind of violated some things to get that life change? So what does she do? She comes to him. She's scared. She's trembling. And she falls down before him and tells him everything. Yeah been sick for a long time I'm broke I spent all my money on doctors who did nothing for me but I thought maybe and you did you healed me how's Jesus going to respond that's the revelation is he going to look at her and say oh you foul sinner what in the world is wrong with you? I, I'm trying to go do something. Who does that? Who reaches out and just grabs somebody? What, what is your problem? Is he going to condemn her for her sin? Because, listen, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So everybody's a sinner. All of us. Is he going to start calling out everything she's done? Obviously, there's great power in him. Obviously, there's great uh, presence of God in him working things that were previously impossible and making them reality. What's he going to do? Let's just see. Verse 29. I'm sorry, verse 34. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Our fourth and final point today is this. The woman with the issue of blood followed Jesus to a new peace. What is this revelation that she received? She received the revelation that Jesus is so much more compassionate even than she hoped he would be. 
This woman who has had to keep to herself, who has had to avoid physical touch, who has had to be away from people, he calls daughter. Because apparently her faith was greater than just the need for physical healing. Her faith was that Jesus was greater even than a healer. Daughter, he says to her. He embraces her with a relational title. He doesn't call her, you foul sinner, you unclean woman, you transgressor of boundaries. He says, daughter. He says, your faith, your belief in me, your trust in me. That's what faith is. She could have just believed that Jesus might have been able to heal her and stayed at the house. No, faith is more than just believing that it could happen. Faith is reaching out because you believe if you just touch him, it will happen. Your faith has made you well. The power of God through Jesus Christ cleansed her. And how long did it take? And how did he respond? With compassion. His character was fulfillment of all the promises of God that find their yes in him. For in Matthew chapter 12, Matthew, a former tax collector, quotes Isaiah 42 verses 1 through 3 about the servant of the Lord, the Messiah. Behold, God says, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. Listen to this. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. This woman was a bruised reed. She was a smoldering wick. She had come to the end of her rope, and she was exhausted. She thought, maybe Jesus can help. And she reached out and touched him, and he responded in compassionate mercy. Maybe you're a smoldering wick today. Could Jesus help? He can. If I reach out to him, how will he respond? Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.